Welcome to America's Top Rebitons. May this class be for Rafu Shalema, for Shlobam Blitzara, and Sivya Barhaya. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebitons YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am honored to have on today's show, Miriam Campbell. Miriam is a speech language pathologist and a social worker. She's also the founder of Skills for Connection, through which she provides coaching and courses for parents and professionals to support children in social emotional skill development. Miriam is also the author of Bubble Double, a book that focuses on building connection from a perspective of positive and playful environment. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Thank you for creating this forum and um, really we're to you for all that you're doing for all of Kali Sarah. Thank you. Um, I uh, am passionate about empowering parents with confidence that they can know that they have the skills to support their kids' development. Um, I think that every parent is the expert on their child in that they are the ones that are with them all the time. And they have a um, special siyata dishmaya that Hashem has given them with their child to be able to support their kids. And so I really love, like probably nothing more than this when I, after working with a the parent, they feel like, okay, I know what to do in X, Y situation. And that they feel like, okay, I know how to teach my child this skill that they can then work forward to like, oh, they have more skills to perspective take, or they are, will be able to help them develop their self-awareness or their communication skills or their thoughtfulness or, you know, my child's too bossy or my child, you know, is very anxious or my child doesn't know how to think about anyone else or all the different skills that our kids are, you know, feeling challenged with. And our parents who love their kids so much are concerned and to be able to give parents the skills of like, oh, I know what I can do to support my child's development. And um, I also do staff trainings, teacher training, so that way the teachers can do it also. So that we, you know, a meltdown in the classroom over a math assignment or, you know, a Navi project doesn't have to be a meltdown that is pointless, but it becomes a meltdown of a starting point for growth of learning. Okay. How am I feeling about this? What can I problem solve? And when when parents and teachers know what to do, then then they're able to transform all these challenging situations into moments of growth and birth and excitement. And it's just so incredible and wonderful. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love what you said, because like, you know, sometimes moments when the kid has a meltdown or a tantrum or, you know, they're too shy, or too anxious and they're, you know, they're in distress. That could really, you, you could go down a bad road with that. Like the parent could start screaming, the kid could start feeling badly about themselves. But I love what you said that you can transform that so-called weakness into a strength and you could turn transform into a learning and growing moment so you can elevate the child or the you know the teacher you know or the parents so they know what to do next time if they're in that situation and that's where the growth happens and it's so so empowering and it's so wonderful because like our kids are going to struggle because that's why Hashem put us in this world is like to develop ourselves and grow so the goal isn't that our kids never fight the goal is that our kids improve through their conflict of being able to figure out conflict resolution, being able to practice their empathy skills, practice their perspective taking skills, practice their negotiation. So that way they're able to communicate because, you know, when they're in the base medrash and they're having a discussion about Gemara and they need to be able to see their, you know, Havrusa's perspective or be able to just understand things or when they're having a discussion with their spouse when they're adults or, you know, whatever the, the dynamics are there there are there are growthful moments and these moments when we know what to do with them when our parents feel like oh 
that's that, you know, like, okay, let me just connect the dots and they know what to look for. They know what to respond. Then the issues don't become like, it was the worst day ever. It was like, oh, this was a tricky day or challenging day, a day where I really had to think, okay, so what needs to be done now? Who do I need to be as a parent now to be able to best support my child in this space? I love that. And that's so beautiful. And we're really going to get um, into that today. I just want to ask you one question. Do you only, like, do you only work with the little kids or do you work with teenagers too? I work. So what I do is um, basically I work directly with kids for many years. I worked with kids on a spectrum, kids with ADHD in schools and clinics and uh, privately. And um, what I find is that especially with these skills, they're so not abstract. They're so much about in the moment that I would be able to work with a you know client one-on-one and I do work with clients one-on-one, but most of what I find is more effective is when the parents actually are empowered to know what to do. So, but because we're talking about core skills, it's the same skills that we are trying to figure out when our child's a preschooler and when they're a high schooler. You know, I've worked with people who are dating. I've worked with people who are married. I've worked, you know, just because it's the same core skills of like, how do I figure out how I'm feeling? Who am I in this moment? How can I communicate that to another? Okay, so I didn't do it the way that I would have wanted to. I'm not comfortable with what I did, or maybe I'm comfortable with it, but the people in my life are not comfortable with it. So how can I practice and develop myself from there? And um, I I, I call them skill constructs, which when you're getting to the core of what the skill is, then it really is something that as parents we use. And it's something that I find again and again is I'll be working with the parent on helping them with their child. And almost always, you know, pretty immediately, we bump into, okay, the parent needs to work on their perspective, taking skills to help see their child. Mm -hmm. And when I say the parent, I'm not removing myself because I'm also part of this journey. There's none of us who are, oh, I'm as, as connected as possible. I know myself. I know how to, I'm as regulated as possible. No, we're all part of this journey of growth and development. And that's beautiful. And that's wonderful. So it sort of becomes like this, like, um, like cycle where like we're working on ourselves as parents and we're helping our develop our kids and then seeing them in their process actually helps us and it's just this beautiful incredible thing Hashem really knew what he was doing by creating this dynamic it's incredible thank you thank you it's, I, thank you so much for clarifying that actually makes so much sense I really appreciate that thank you um, so I, I am really excited to talk to you today because I know that our conversation is going to help so many moms and teachers and other professionals to instill children with social emotional skills as well as problem solving skills. You know, so many kids struggle with finding their place in the world and getting along with other kids and also getting along with adults often poses a challenge for them. Um, you know, we, speaking as parents, are sometimes lost as to how we can help our children. But today we're going to learn the tools that we need to help our kids. And that makes me really happy because <laughs> I can use some help too. So let's start off by talking about social emotional skills. So can you please tell us exactly what is meant by that term, social emotional skills, and give us some examples of those types of skills and also tell us why having those skills is so important in life. I think of social emotional skills as like, how we experience our life because it is so core to how we think like it's not you know it's not like social emotional isn't separate from thoughts like some of the constructs I teach are actually like cognitive skills which are or language skills um because it's not separate I, I call it social emotional because that's what the world calls it but if I think about it for real like really how I think about it for myself is our engagement with the world our engagement with ourselves and how and how we engage with ourselves also impacts how we engage with Hashem because if we are 
able to honestly experience what we are experiencing and express what we're ex experiencing. And I'm not even saying like, oh, say my truth. I'm talking about like, say it to Hashem. Then we actually have real tefillah. Then we actually have a starting place of connecting with another because we're connected with ourself. So I have a few different, um, you know, I have two different main, you know, groups that I teach parents, but one of them is about self and other. And we always talk about starting with the self, like, who am I? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I choosing? Who am I in this space? And we have to start there because we can't relate to another and like be able to think, oh, how are they feeling if we don't even know what that feeling is? Like if it's never okay to be angry or never okay to be jealous, then I won't ever see it in another person and know to be thoughtful to not try and make that person jealous. <laughs> not that we can make another person jealous, but like I don't need to flaunt what I have in front of them. But if we don't understand the feeling of jealousy and I've, I've never been allowed to experience jealousy because that's too ugly of an emotion, you know, then I can't even look honestly at what I'm experiencing and then I can never even actually relate to the other. So it's always a starting place whenever, you know, people will tell me like, um, you know, I skip the self-awareness. Just tell me about how they can deal with their siblings better. But you can't skip the self-awareness. You have to start with the self because if they don't know what it feels like to be cared for, what it feels like to be loved and respected and uh, validated in their process, then they can't do that for their sibling. They can't do that for their spouse in the future. They can't do that for their peer. They can't even do it for you as a parent. They because they ha they don't have a self that ha has the vocabulary or has the experience that can contain that to be able to then stretch outside of it towards the other and seeing the other and supporting the other. So it's a very, um, it's, it's basically, I would say like the way that we experience our world, it's the social components of it, it's the emotional components of it, but really the constructs I teach are language, cognitive, emotional, it talks about the body's connection with it because we are human beings. Hashem gave us like a whole kli, our whole vessel of who we are. It's all tied up. It's all connected. And it's a, an incredible thing when we take responsibility for who we are, who we are going to be as ourself and how we're going to cho choose to show up as parents and how we want to help our kids develop themselves, how they can show up, you know, in their lives. Which I think is so beautiful. I just love what you, the, the point that you really emphasize that, you know, we have to know how we feel first. We have to know what's going on with us first. We have to understand, listen, we're only human. We are going to feel angry and sad and jealous and frustrated and all that, as well as happy and joyful and excited if something good happens to us. We feel a whole gamut of emotions. But if we don't, number one, if we don't allow ourselves to feel our emotions, and number two, if we don't get in touch with the emotions that we are feeling, then we have no idea how to relate to somebody else who's experiencing those emotions. Like, that's really important. That's something that I don't think a lot of people think about. They think about, okay, I have to pay attention to the other person, what they're doing, how they're feeling, but we really can't do that authentically or to the best of our ability if we don't pay attention to that same quality in ourselves. Robertson Gallant talks about it in her books, uh, Develop Spiritual Stages of Growth, I think. Um, fabulous book. And she talks about how like how chesed is developed. And as babies, Hashem made it on purpose, our life cycle. As babies, we are in this receiving mode because that's how we learn how to become givers. If we can't accept that we have needs, then when we do give to another person, they're all like, and we have shame about, oh, I have to take care of myself. Like, oh, like, why am I so small? Like, why can't I be bigger than this? Why am I being so indulgent? Or, you know, when we can't actually value our process in that, then other people, even if they don't know why it feels a little bit weird to receive from you, are going to be getting the message. And um, it's such a beautiful idea that our, who we are, and it's not like separate. It's not like, oh, let me take care of like my base lower self. It's part of who we are. Like the, the Torah is full of discussion um, about, um, 
Abba's mother and Sukhoi. What? Abba's mother and Sukhoi. Sorry about that. Okay, no worries. Um, uh, who we are in our in in our emotions is very much connected. There's so much discussion about it because it's it's part of our kingdom. It's part of it's not an accident that we experience frustration sometimes. It's not an accident that we experience anxiety. And I know I keep saying the negative emotions, but the truth is that people also have a hard time expressing the positive emotions. Maybe she's not going to be happy for me if I talk about that. Maybe that is flaunting. Or maybe like I should like, you know, not maybe it's like a nine hara if I like say how grateful I am. But that it's also, it's part of just being connected with actual honesty of what's happening in the self and the other. And then the other um, main thing that I teach parents is about teaching them about emotional regulation and the connection between problem solving, which is like, how do we deal with conflict? Which are, there obviously there's overlap between self and other and really are having ourself and our relating to other people. But this other component is about like emotional regulation and how teaching parents how they can regulate themselves and help their kids regulate and then get to the cognitive piece of like, okay, so what do we want to do in this space? Okay, so what can you do? We just had a really difficult thing. What do you want to do going forward? That's really important. The problem solving skills are really, really important. And we are, we are going to get into those also because I know so many parents struggle with those. And so many kids of all ages from, from toddlers to teenager, teenagers struggle with problem solving skills because that's really what life is all about. Like dealing with others and the frustrations and challenges that come up in daily life. So, um, but I just want to ask you, you know, as a parent, it's hard to watch your child struggle to develop social emotional skills, you know. So I want to see if you can please share some practical strategies and tools for parents so that we can help our children acquire these much needed skills. Because we already talked about how important these social emotional skills are, because if we don't have them, it's going to make us that it make it that much difficult to relate to other people. And we have to relate to other people on a daily basis. So these are critical skills. So um Practically, first of all, when we deal with the, when we talk about the struggle, a, a big part of it is how we view the struggle. Yes. If we view it as a, you know, catastrophic or like this is not supposed to be happening, then we can't even be available to address what's actually happening. Then we're automatically in defensive mode and there's no creativity. There's no place for like, okay, how, let me think about what my child needs in this space. Um, you know, I was doing a parent coaching session and the, their child, uh, was screams, you know, very, very loudly and it bothers all the siblings. So this is a problem. Now it is not pleasant and it is not something that the kids like, and it is definitely a challenge, but that is actually going to be the birthplace of this child learning new skills and of the siblings learning new skills and of the parent learning new skills. So the first piece is being able to really see these challenges. And it's not always easy because we want them to be quiet in the grocery store when we're shopping. And we don't want them to have a meltdown during the shell kiddish. And we don't want them to be pulling their siblings hair out. And we also want to have a smooth bed, you know, bedtime and bath time and getting everyone out in the morning. And we want them to have an easy time in school. And we don't want anyone to be bullied. And, and, and we don't. And that's why we daven. We daven for that, for those things. When they happen, because those are the moments that we can help them. When we know what to do with the skills, when we know, okay, how do I help them develop their emotional regulation? How do I help them develop their problem solving skills? So the first step is being able to change how we think about it instead of being like, oh, this is a catastrophe because we cannot help them if we're from the, from the viewpoint of like problem to avoid, problem to stop versus, oh, not that we want these things, but to say like, okay, this is the moment of growth. This is the moment of development. That would be step one. The step two step, the second thing is to recognize what area they're struggling in that they need that development in. And then obviously you can only 
help support them if you know what to do. So like, you know, I have like these trainings that teach parents what to do. Like, what do we do in those moments? How do we develop a self? What does that look like to develop a self? What can you practically do very simply that will help through all their interactions of how they are putting their stuff ready for school the next day or how we're not putting their stuff ready for school the next day or how they're getting into their car and buckling up or how they're not getting in the car and buckling up or how they're call speaking to their grandparent or not speaking to their grandparent or speaking to their grandparent in a way that's not the way we want them to be doing it. Um, those all become the moments of learning when as parents, we know how to direct them. And sometimes we need outside help for that. Like, you know, there, sometimes you can get like parent coaching or you could, you know, speak to a spouse or speak to a friend and like try and break down like, hey, what is happening here? What is the pattern that I'm seeing here? And, you know, and you don't necessarily need a professional if you can break it down yourself. But if you need that extra support, there are Baruch Hashem so many professionals available to support you. And then you can really uh, transform your family life because these problem moments become growing opportunity moments. That's so beautiful. I love, I really just love that, that, that the growth, the growing opportunity moments. I think it's so beautiful because I think that's where I really do think that's where a lot of people struggle. They, um, they demonize every catastrophe. Oh, I can't believe my kid is doing that. And no matter what that is, and that will change from throwing food to not listening to me or staying out past curfew or whatever it is. Like if you demonize it and catastrophize it and everything is all, oh, oh, oh all the time, you, you're not growing from it. All of the, you're just stuck in that place of darkness and you're not getting out because you're just stuck there, you know? And I just love it. Like when you turn it around, you're really literally flipping it on its belly and just saying, okay, listen, this is unpleasant. This is not what I want. You know, you're acknowledging it, you know, you're not sugarcoating it, but you're saying that's where the growth begins. That's where it starts. And I just, I love that. I really do. Um, so now let's talk about a, a, another very, very important skill, emotional regulation. So learning how to regulate emotions is so crucial because it enables our mind to rule over our, our emotions, which is such a crucial skill not to be run by our emotions, but to use our mind to rule over those emo emotions so we can interact with those around us in a calm, clear thinking manner. So could you please tell us in more detail what emotional regulation really is and how we can help our kids master this skill? Well, emotional regulation is about choice. At its core, it's about choice because emotional regulation doesn't mean that we're always sitting in like meditative, like, like state all the time. It means that we actually are, you know, tzadzik libo birshutso, you know, like that he is the one who's controlling. He has choice over who he wants to be. Yes, I can be so angry and frustrated with my kids, but I'm going to then still have choice. Who do I want to be in this moment? So there's the piece of the self-awareness that goes into the emotional regulation to first be able to identify what is my body experiencing? What am I, what's, what are my thoughts? What am I feeling? What's actually happening in my, uh, like my, my pulse and my sweat and my, whatever it is that my physiological makeup that my body's experiencing in relation to this event or just inside myself, because Sometimes we could have that event and something that's not threatening. And sometimes we could have that event with something that is threatening, but just to be able to like tune in and honestly be able to see like, hey, what am I actually experiencing? And then who do I want to be? What choice do I want to make with this? And because we are, sometimes we're supposed to be really energetic and jumping up and down at a wedding and happy and so excited about, you know, uh, our grandparents coming to visit or this present or this birthday or 
we're so excited and what a joyful expanded emotional experience we can have or like enjoying a Shabbos meal like oh my gosh like what incredible sushi like I love this this is so fun like let me really be able to take in the pleasure of it the enjoyment of it and that is not called dysregulated even if let's say technically your heart's beating faster and that's not calm but it's about choice it's about being able to choose who we want to be with our emotional experience so like folks the emotional regulation thing the step one is just being able to first dip it, dip into it. Like, let me just visit this. What's actually happening in this space? How am I actually experiencing it in this, you know, space? Like, stick my hand in the water. Like, oh, oh, hello. This is the temperature of it. Oh, this is the texture of it. Oh, hello, hello, uh, emotion, hello, experience. What, what does it feel like? And then from that place, then you know, we get to the problem solving place, or maybe it's not a problem, but just like, okay, who do I want to be in this? Let me just like check in with myself. Like, is this is this how I want to respond to excitement. Or maybe I wanted to say it out loud so my kids could hear me expressing the gratitude because I'm feeling so overwhelmed with joy or so overwhelmed with pleasure, or I'm feeling so upset and I'm so frustrated. Let me think, okay, like, is how do I want to express this? Because I am a person of choice, I'm a person of Bechira. And that is so, so incredibly powerful. Um, and when we do it for ourselves, we can model it for our kids. So like my kids can very often hear me like say like, uh, you know, I need to take a deep breath. I'm feeling overwhelmed or like, whoa, I have never seen such a beautiful sunset. <laughs> you know, whatever the experience is, like they can be, we model it in real life. So they see us processing our emotions and we also can then help uh, coach them through their emotions. But that's obviously a, more to the topic, but I would say that that is at the core. Emotional regulation is really about choice and being able to tap in and tune into what we're experiencing and then make choices based on that of who we want to be from that starting place i really like that and i really like the element element of choice because like if we're just ride the wave of the emotion then we can go wherever the emotion takes us but if we stop for a minute and acknowledge the emotion not put, i feel like a lot of people push it down deep down inside you know i'm feeling an ugly emotion jealousy anger rage frustration whatever it is and i feel like they push it down so maybe maybe they don't experience it as strongly as they would have if they don't push it down but I feel like what you're saying you have to acknowledge the emotion you have to say okay I'm feeling whatever it is that you're feeling and name the emotion but then you have a choice of what to do about that do I want to scream and yell and throw things because I'm angry because I am angry we're not denying the emotion but like, what do I want to do with that like once I've identified it who is the person I want to be? I don't want to be a, a crazy, angry maniac or like somebody who's sitting in, in bed and crying and not getting up all week. You know what I mean? Who do I want to be? And then when you decide who you want to be, then you can go, well, I mean, like you said, there's more to it, but there are little tiny steps that you can take to go about becoming the person that you want to be based on your choice. And that choice is, is critical. You know, instead of just getting swept away in the motion, you're making the choice of where you want to go from that emotion. Yeah. And, and I think that people often push it down because they're smart, because if you don't know that when you experience your emotion, then you aren't dragged by it, then it's a smart idea to push it down because then you're sort of being dragged by it. You know what I'm saying? Like, unless you know I'm choosing to experience, then it, it is the same thing, meaning you don't have choice if you don't push it down. And then you also don't have choice really if you do push it down because it ends up popping out a different way. But theoretically, you're sort of making more of a choice. So like, unless you know, like, okay, like I actually am empowered to understand my body. Like it's a pattern. It's not like, you know, there there's certain, like even like mammal type of experiences that our body's like 
physiologically experiencing like you know parasympathetic or sympathetic like we can we can mark it down so we know the signs the vagus nerve we know what it is okay so oh that's what this is okay now i can actually visit the emotion because if we don't then it is a scary thing and how many time have times have parents asked me in either the you know either the group sessions or in the one-to-one -one sessions like they'll ask me like but what if i like my child's so upset and like i start talking to them how upset maybe they're gonna get more upset like i don't want to like visit it like i want to sort of just like move them quite along and i think that like we said before, you have to start with honesty because if let's say you say you're fine, then either you're the dishonest person and the child then writes you off or they think they're the dishonest person and they write themselves off. So either way, it's lose-lose. You have to start where they actually are. Now, don't start where they aren't. Let's say they're really fine after they fell. And then you say, ay, ay, ay. Then like, again, they're not actually in tune with honestly what they're experiencing. And then again, it gets to that place of like, am I really in tune? And like, we know like Hashem's seal is honesty. Like it's about, let me actually experience what Hashem has given me in this moment, in this place, in this second, in this, who, who am I in this space, in this moment right now, I'm feeling resentful. She asked me already three times to pick up her from car her child from carpool and she's never offered one time back or in this moment, I'm feeling like, you know, how many times did I buy take him to the store and he's not even appreciative that I, you know, brought him to the store and I just got him his favorite candy and he didn't even, you know, okay, let me start with where I am. Well, that's too ugly. I know I, I'm a parent. I'm supposed to just be nurturing and giving and not expect anything back in return. And in other ways, I'm relying on him for my emotional set. Okay, let's start with where I am. Oh, I don't really love that. I'm feeling a little resentful about this. Okay, what does it feel like? Let me just visit my body in this. Okay, my body does not make choices for me. I make choices for me. But my body is going to give me information. Like it's actually going to help me know about, oh, this is important to me. Oh, I think I need to start taking care of myself or validating myself. Like, wow, good job. That was such a chesed thing you did for that, for that other mother. Great job and reward herself. You know, I think I'm going to make myself a delicious fruit smoothie right now. I did such a great job, you know, and, and, and celebrating that. And that's not an embarrassing thing to do. That's actually rewarding our body for something that it's done to serve our neshama. What an incredible thing it deserves that. Why not? You know, there's no downside to that. Um, and when we do that for our kids, like, well, you're feeling so upset. You didn't do anything wrong by feeling upset. You didn't do it. You know, you just are feeling upset and we don't have to fix it or, you know, let's just visit it right in this moment. That's beautiful. I love it. I, I just, I love the authenticity of everything that you're saying, because I think it's so important because when our kids see us being authentic with ourselves, it helps them. It sets an example for them. Like you said, for them to be authentic with themselves, it's okay. It, it's, it's okay. Like we're all human. We all experience the, the emotions. It's okay. It's in what you go ahead and do with that, that, that really matters. But I just, I love the authenticity. It's so it's so important about it. And, that, and it's not because it's so tricky because people in today's culture very much like are tapping into like part of the truth and they'll say like it's my truth it's my reality this is who i am take it accept me whatever and that's not what we're saying here the torah does not say fall into your deepest lowest part of you the torah says know who you are sometimes that is the deepest lowest part of you and you are a person of choice and you have moments and you have a Shabbos that you can re refresh and restart. And you have tefillah, te you know, theoretically three times a day where you can reset yourself. Every time you say a bracha, you can reset yourself with that pleasure and that enjoyment. And um, I wish I could remember her name. She's a beautiful um, uh, human being. She, um, I met her in a, the From Summit and she helps people with conflicts. She's a co conflict coach. And she talks about how she uses her tefillah 
every morning and specifically the psuche de Zimra to help herself be able to tap into the moments of safety within herself, to build up her reservoirs of emotional safety. And she's using, like Hashem gave us within the framework of our Avodah Hashem, ways of being able to actually reset ourselves, reconnect, recharge, start, you know, flatten the plane to be able to then engage with all the different things that he's given us in our day, in our life. I really love that. It's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, there's one last question I would like to discuss. It's something that we touched upon earlier, the problem-solving skills. So the younger we can learn to problems, be problem-solvers, really the better off we will be in life, but it's not always so easy. When kids are in situations that they don't know how to handle or they have a challenge that doesn't have an easy solution, they often crumble. Then we see the crying and the temper tantrums and everything like that. And we want to help our kids build their problem-solving skills so that as those skills get stronger over time, our kids have the ability to resolve difficult issues with confidence and clarity. So we want to ask you if you can please share with us some strategies so that we can help our kids become problem-solvers. So that is really the first step was what we just talked about, the motion regulation. And the second step is once our body is in a place of calm and safety, then our brain is incredible because, you know, um, Dan Siegel's hand model where like we have like our, you know, the blood flow at the, at the base of our brain over here is our stem cell or survival. And then we have our limbic system, our emotions. And then as we go up high, we have all the way in the front, like where we put our toe in, our executive functioning. Yes. which is our choices. And over here, we have our language basis. And the further down we are in survival, flight or flight, the less blood flow we have to our frontal lobe and the less we're actually able to come up with creative problem-solving solutions. So if your child is a dysregulated, not the time to say, but I told you if you X, Y, Z, because that is a cognitive skill of cause and effect. Um, or, you know, this this is what I said, or any of those type of things are like, well, what are you going to choose in this moment? Like, they're not there because there isn't blood flow in the front part of their brain. So when you want to go talk about problem solving, you have to first make sure that a person is regulated and to be able to have this discussion, which means very often we're teaching problem solving skills, not in the moment of conflict. The moment of conflict is not the time of education. Um, Rabbi Yaakovson talks a lot about this in Spare the Child of Chinuch. The moment of Chinuch is not when they're melting. That's the moment of, let's say, control where we need to, let's say, move them physically from a situation or be able to, whatever ramifications, however we, you know, exert control as a parent to be able to make sure that our child is safe and has what they need and that there is consequences in their day. But let's say the chinuch component, which is the problem solving component, is teaching them the cognitive skills of how do I look at a situation? How do I assess it? How do I analyze it? And that's also one of the things that I teach in the training is like, how do we do that? What does that actually look like? And the more that we're using the problem solving throughout our day, the more we're able to actually implement it when we have a challenge. So um, a child that's like, oh, I'm, it's very rigid thinking. So you could practice problem solving with them throughout the day of just practicing being flexible in their thinking. Okay. So, you know, there are three, I want to make a vegetable for supper. What are three different vegetables you could think of that we could have, you know, and research shows that three is the minimum number of trying to help develop flexible thinking. So like, let's say, um, you know, we could let, what, what should we make for Shabbos for a dessert? Or um, what do you want to wear? Or what do you think we should do on Cholamoid? Or um, we can go to any of these stores. What Which store do you think? And sort of just talking through, there's a bazillion opportunities of developing these problem-solving skills, developing uh, flexible thinking, developing, you know, the, the underlying core skills that will then help them get to the place of problem-solving. Like, okay, your sibling is screaming in your ear. Now, you really hate this. You really hate every time he does that. What do you want to do in this space? Okay, so let's explore it. 
Well, you want to slap him. Okay. You, what else do you want to do? You want to maybe go to the uh, porch so you can't hear him. Okay. What else can you do? You want to, um, you know, maybe take a microphone and yell in his ear, stop yelling. Well, what else, okay, what else do you want to do? And sort of just like allowing them to process this thing. And then like very often we don't have to tell them like, don't take a microphone and yell in their ear. Cause like, they're not dumb. You know, they've spent their whole life seeing that's not a normal way of interacting with another person, but very often they might not know what else can I do in that moment. So being able to help process, okay, so what are the things that you can do who, you know, and believing in our kids and their, in their capacity to be able to do that is really, I think, um, uh, essential. And whenever we, again, are modeling problem solving, like, oh gosh, okay, I, I have this appointment at this time. I'm feeling like I need to take a deep breath to calm down because I can't find a parking spot. Now, what, what are my options right now? Okay. I can either drive home and then maybe take an Uber, or maybe I can walk, or maybe I'm going to park four blocks away, or maybe I'm going to call the person telling them I'm running late and sort of problem solving, letting them see that process. You're modeling problem solving. So the more that we see the challenges as the moment of teaching the skills of how can I teach these social emotional, you know, skills, then we're able to be able to really give them lessons that they can transform all the different challenges that they have. And it's really beautiful work because it's not perfect all at once. And that's the point, you know, the point is that even we're adults and we are not perfect, but if we could teach our kids that I'm in the process of growing and help them be, oh, you know, develop themselves into practicing the process of growing, which means we have to also forgive ourselves when we make mistakes. And that means part of forgiving ourselves is apologizing, but then they can also take undertake that journey. When they make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. You spill this on the floor. Oh my gosh, what were you thinking? How could you do that? That is not teaching them that they can be in the process of growth saying like, oh, wow, that's, that's, you know, a lot on the floor. What are you going to do to fix it? How are you going to fix this? Can I help you with it? You know, or do you want help? Or what what solutions are you going to come up with? Or, oh my gosh, you must be so disappointed. You're you're waiting all day for that orange soda or whatever it is. Um, be able to uh, help them process their environment will give them those life skills that we want for them. And we don't always think about it perfectly, but that's part of the process. Okay. So I'm going to be growing as a parent. I'm going to be growing myself. And I, yesterday I noticed what I was feeling twice. That was way more than I noticed last week. And then I lost it, but okay. But then I noticed twice and okay. So let me apologize for losing it and let me re-engage and get right back in the game and try again and try again and, you know, do my best. And that's really, I think what it's about. I love that. And, you know, I love what you said about, you know, parents modeling for kids, but even as parents, we're human beings. So sometimes we're not all, also 100% perfect. So we model what we can, we model when we can, and we do the best that we can. And that we're also showing our kids when we lose it, when we get upset. Yeah, I mean, this is not what we're supposed to be doing ideally, but we're all we're also human. But we don't, we don't wallow in that, like, upsetness. We don't, like, just give up just because we lost it. We get back on the horse, we try again, and we try to go forward and improve. I think that also in itself is a very, very powerful lesson for kids. Yeah, and we, and we celebrate um, even teshuva, like when a child says sorry. Yes. You know, whoa, you just account, you just were, you know, practicing your practicing teshuva. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. And when we apologize to our kids, because that's us practicing teshuva, like, whoa, I totally lost it at you. That must have been so scary for you, you know. That was that. Did you feel yucky? Did you feel like you know scared? Did you feel like what what you? Is there a way that something I could say to help you? Because I really I feel bad that I hurt you in that place, and not to be like, oh, it's okay, mommy, but like to like authentically try and repair and teach them. That's how you authentically repair. You broke her tower. You broke his tower. How are you going to repair? 
they're going to see it when we do it with them because that's how they're going to learn. It's not a theoretical thing. So you know, something that I see a lot is like, yeah, I see there's a lot of like social emotional programs that are theoretically, you know, they'll try and do, they do, they're beautiful, but they're not necessarily integrated in real life. Like we have to know what we can say to help develop these skills. So in real life, so that way we can actually develop these skills. So it's not like another thing in their back drawer, like along with, you know, who the first president was, you know, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do in a conflict. I'm supposed to apologize, but they actually see it. They're actually experiencing it. They're living it because we are practicing. We're practicing developing our skills for connection. That is, that's perfect. And it's very beautifully said. And you're right. It really does apply to real life. We need, the, but that's why we need the practical. We don't need the theoretical. We need the practical. I really feel that you gave that to us today. So thank you. Thank you so much, Miriam, for joining us on America's Top Representatives. It was really a pleasure having you with us. And may all the learning we did today be for the Rafur Shalema, for, for Slobo Bensara, and also for Tsivia Bhat Hana. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you so much.